Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. And we are so excited to continue our series. We're in the holiness of God. And so today's going to be a, um, a fun one. And so um, here's Johnny. I don't know if it's going to be fun. But... <laughs> it's probably not. Be... There you go. Uh, well, I do... here, will you take this? I don't... It, that, it, it, I did lie. It's not a three-part. It's turned into like an eight-part series. It just keeps... It's hard to stop. I just... There's so many things. And, and today is... Um, I have a table. I never have a table up here, and this is for my wife because um, it, it, it's there's some seriously hard some hard things that we're going to talk about today. And she asked me not to be the usual yelling, screaming preacher and to calmly talk about these subjects. I, I, everything I do is like loud, so I, um, so a table and a chair maybe will calm me a little bit. What do you think, Paul? You don't buy it. I'm going to work hard at it because I'm telling you, I think I'm on my right side, not my left side. Um, so I'm going to try and, 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 and do that. But um, uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday, come on. Okay, who's, who's for the Eagles? Yeah. All right, who's for KC? Yeah. You guys are pathetic, okay. You guys don't even care. What's that? Who's for the halftime? Yeah, there you go. And the food, that's really what, what matters around here is food and halftime show. Well, we are in this series, and if you have any questions as I'm preaching, please feel free to text them to us. Um, I, I know a few of you have, have tried to stump me, which it will happen. I'm telling you, at one point I'm going to go, I don't know. We'll come back next week and let you know. But if you have any questions, please let us know, while, and we'll try and answer those at the end of the service. And, uh, but we're in this series on the holiness of God. And this morning I want to talk about God's holiness and, and compassion, holiness and compassion that run together. Would, would you do me a favor? Would you stand with me as I read the Word of God? First Corinthians 15, 3 through 4 says this, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, from, uh, received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with with scriptures. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you are faithful. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place that you would fall, that you would restore, that you would uh, speak to us, Father God. Lord, I thank you for who you are, and I thank you for your word. God, give us ears to hear. Lord, let us be uh, men and women who walk in holiness and compassion. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, We've been talking about holiness and how it plays out in our lives and what that, what that really looks like. But in this text, he says, he says of first importance. And, and when, when he says that, you really got to kind of stop and go, what does that mean of first importance? And, and if it says of first importance, then it must be really important. And, and what he's talking about is the gospel, the gospel of Christ Jesus. The gospel is the good news of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And, and this of first importance, the death, burial, and resurrection, is, is the holiest of holy moments. It's the most compassionate of all compassionate moments in the history of mankind. We talked a little bit about that last week. Holiness comes off the cross and the death of Christ that I can have relationship with God and actually be in His presence because of the blood of Jesus. I can walk in holiness because of the blood of Jesus. And the compassion component of it is that Christ would take his life in exchange for mine. Incredibly compassionate. Because I don't want to give my life to any of you. I'm being a little sarcastic there. <laughs> but that's how we think. Holiness, just to recap a little bit, holiness literally means to be set apart, to be separate to be different, to be dedicated to. If, 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 if this is what life looks like in the world, holiness needs to step outside of and be set apart from that and be different from the world. To be dedicated to this book, to Jesus, to who he is. 
That's what holiness means. Holiness and compassion run on parallel tracks. Although our culture would have you, have you believe that if you love God, which is holiness, you will be intolerant to others, which is uncompassionate. They, they, they take these two parallels and they separate them. The world does. But Jesus debunks that lie to many places, but I want to show you two little places today. Jesus totally blows that lie out of the water in Mark 2, 37 through 40 in John 8. In Mark 2, or 22, 37 through 40, he says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law of the prophets. Now, what is he saying here? When you love God, you walk in his holiness. When you have this relationship with Jesus and you're walking with God, you're set apart from what you used to be and you walk in the holiness when you grab a hold of this word, when you renew your mind, when you pray and when you spend this time. When you love God, you're set apart in his holiness. Love God. The second part he says is this, and love your neighbors as you love yourself. When I love my neighbors, I have compassion. So, okay, he says, love God, love people. When I love God, and I allow God to do what he wants to do in my life, and be who he wants to be in my life, then I, I can't help but step over here into my neighborhood and be compassionate for my neighbors, love my neighbors, engage my neighbors, teach them or, or show them the hands and feet of Jesus. Jesus breaks down this whole lie that you can walk in holiness, but you can't be compassionate. See, because holiness sets you apart. In other words, there's no sin in holiness. So you can walk in, 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 in this compassion or in this holiness, yet still be compassionate. The world says, no, you can't. And it's a lie. Why would culture have you believe that, it's, that, that if, if you love God, you'll be intolerant to others? Why, does anybody experience that? Have you ever, have you, you know, that if you love God, you're intolerant. Well, it, it's, it's right here because our sin clashes with the holiness of God. See, the reality is this. If, if the world had to deal with their sin, they'd have to deal with holiness. If the world had to have to look in the mirror, they'd have to deal with God's holiness. If they had to deal with God's holiness, two weeks ago we talked about God's justice and his judgment. And if you have to deal with God's justice and his judgment and his holiness, then you're going to have to deal with your life and your sin. I said I wasn't going to get intense. I'm getting intense. Sorry. We're not having a conversation, are we? Dear Jesus. I... <sighs> I tried. I lasted a minute. I'm, I'm, I'm regrouping, Chris. Our culture would also tell us that to the degree uh, that to disagree with a person is to judge or condemn them. That, that if you have a different opinion of what holiness looks like, that, that you're condemning. Um, and if we disagree or think something another person is doing is wrong, we don't love them. Well, Jesus just proved that that's, that's not true. And, and I'm going to show you a little more of what that looks like in John 8 because he gives this great picture. But here's the question. Here's the question that you and I have to ask. How long can the church stay silent? How long can she sit on her hands and not stand up for truth? And the question is, 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 is saying nothing really love? It, it, do I really love my children if I let them live like hell growing up? Say what they want, cuss out their mother, eat whatever they want, stay up as late. Is it, is, am, am I really loving my children, allowing them to do whatever they want? If we know a person is walking in danger, walking in a, a, a lifestyle that is, is troubling, we know the end of that lifestyle, we know the end of what that sin looks like, um, yet they seem happy in it, or, or seem, uh, is it really loving them to not say anything? No. I mean, we always talk about the natural and the spiritual run parallel to one another. In the natural, you would never do that with your children. You'd never give them the full run of your house. Yet in the spirit, we think God 
thinks differently, and he doesn't because he's a father. He chose to show himself as a father. Confronting sin is difficult. I don't like it. I don't like when God deals with my sin. I've learned to embrace. I've learned to love uh, Jesus and the truth of who he is. But but naturally, we don't like it. I don't like when Chris calls out my stuff. I was going to cuss and say a bad word there. (laughs) Sorry. I don't like when she calls out my stuff. But I know she's right. Ignoring sin is not loving. It just isn't. And in John 8, Jesus confronts sin with holiness and compassion. I, I love this story. I preached it. I usually preach it once a year. But, but you know the story where the adulterous woman is, we don't know where the guy is. They pulled the woman out, which is a whole other story. They throw her in front of all the religious leaders. And they throw her in front of Jesus. And, and she's having this adulterous relationship. They literally pull her out of, out of bed with this man. It was like a setup of all setups. And, and, and Jesus confronts this woman with incredible compassion and holiness. We, I'm not going to read the story, but I'm going to give you parts of it. But in, in 5.8 it says this, Now in the law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman. And they're talking to Jesus. So what would you say, Jesus? They're trying to set him up, you know. Let me just side note, you might not want to set up the creator of heaven and earth. <laughs> I don't know. You're a created being. He's not. So they're trying to set him up. They're trying to trap him right here. And, 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 and they said, you know, the law, religion says, stone her to death. See, but what they didn't realize is that the law without relationship brings con- condemnation, guilt, weight, anger. It's just religion. The law, apart from Jesus, it's when Jesus embodied the law that everything changed. And they just said, throw the law at her, throw the book at her, condemn, condemn. Not unlike what many of us do as Christians to people who are living in sin. And and then it says this in verse 7, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Oh, that's the church. We love, we love shooting our wounded. We're so good at shooting our wounded instead of restoring them. And, and, and we are so good at throwing stones and we'll bury you because of your sin. Let him who's without sin throw a stone at her. We all have these stones in our hands. And, and, and it's very interesting because we have stones that are, correlate to certain sins that we don't like. You know, we, we don't have the universal stone that sin is sin, throw that, Period. We have the stone that just relates to that sin that bugs you. The one that makes you uncomfortable. Maybe the one you're struggling with. We're we're really good with that stone. And then he says this in 10 and 9. He says this, that Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? They basically walked away because they all knew they were full of sin. And condemned you. She said, no, no one, Lord. See, see, the gospel that, that I read, the one that's changed my life, brings hope to my sin. What does the church do? Too many times? We just throw stones and there's no hope. We're just like, you're a bad person, you're a bad person, you're a bad person, you're a bad person. I know I'm a bad person. I don't need you to tell me I'm a bad person. And Jesus goes, well, let me tell you how it really is. Let me bring some hope. Let me bring some hope to your sin. See, that's compassionate. It's love. It's not self-righteousness. It's not, not, it's not condemning. It's holiness and compassion sitting in these parallel tracks, changing someone's life. You see, God bless you. The key to holiness in John 8, 11 is, is, is this. Jesus says this. And from now on, Sin no more. He doesn't overlook her sin. He doesn't call her an adulterous whore. He, does, he doesn't call her any names. He just goes, he, he just says this. Look, look, look. All your accusers gone. And, and I'm not going to condemn you either. I'm going to bring life. Now, go and sin no more. 
You want to talk about compassion and love. See, the greatest act of love is forgiveness. Don't sin no more. That's why in that 1 Corinthians 15 verse, for I delivered to you as of first importance the gospel of Jesus Christ is so much bigger than, 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 than your sin that you're caught up in or, or worried about in someone else's life. The gospel brings this compassion and brings this forgiveness and brings this love and brings this, this picture of holiness that, that, that we don't understand. It's of first importance. And unless the church has this as of first importance, we're going to be labeled. Ah, we're going to be labeled anyways. That's just the way it is. But I, I don't want to be a church that is self-righteous, that's just casting stones. I want to love others well. I want to walk in holiness. I don't want to condone sin. But I want to love others well. Here's where it gets really interesting in the church. Here's where it gets interesting. To be unholy is celebrated in our culture. Would you agree? Not only celebrated, but we are told to be silent and not judge unholy acts. So what's the church's responsibility? What, what's our responsibility in this culture? What do we do? Bonhoeffer said this. Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. Whoa. I mean, that's just in your face. It is, it's just, he doesn't mince words. Here's the reality. There's a battle in this nation. There's a battle in this culture, and it's for your children. It's for my kids. It's for my grandkids. It's for your kids, your future kids, the kids that you have right now. There is a battle going on right now. And 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Look, I, I actually believe this word. And, 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 and I've, I've seen this in my life firsthand, and I've seen it in, in many of your lives. The enemy is coming to devour. He wants to destroy fathers. He wants to destroy family. He wants to destroy lives. He wants to steal destiny. He wants to take away purpose from people. John 10.10. 10. So what's my responsibility as a pastor? I've wrestled with this, and Melvin and I have, and, have, have wrestled, and our, our, our breakfasts and wrestled with this through uh, some books that we're reading, and what's, what's our responsibility? And I, I need not go any further than the church or the, the scriptures that says this in Acts 20, 28. Be careful attention, pay careful attention to yourself and to all the flock, all the church, in which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. God has called me to this church to oversee, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. He paid for you with his blood. And he says, pastors, oversee your church my responsibility okay what's our responsibility deuteronomy eighteen ten says this now hang with me because you guys are going to get rocked on your ear here there shall not be found among anyone who burns his son or daughters as an offering huh anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens, or sorcery. That's, I, I mean, whoa, 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 it's 2023. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't see anybody burning their sons and daughters. Or do we? Uh, let me just tell you something. Give your 10-year-old daughter or son a phone, you're burning them. You give your child access to that flipping computer, you're sending them up as an offering. It's a prophetic picture that is powerful. And don't, don't kid yourselves into thinking that what this scripture says, it says, oh, this, see, I'm burning. And that's not. No, 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 no. 
there, there are specific things that we're allowing our kids to do that are burning them and killing their souls and destroying their purpose. God have mercy. And we're sitting back because culture says, you can't call that sin. And we're actually engaging in what they call sin. Let me show you, if you don't believe me, let me show you. Unholy, it says this, the definition. Showing disregard for what is holy or wicked. Uh, I, I just to prove my point, I don't know that I have to, but to prove my point, uh, let me give you a little picture into America today. Okay? To prove the point that, that we are literally burning our sons and daughters as offerings. Let, let, me, let me show you. Unholy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch some things. Last week at the State of the Nation speech, and I don't know if anybody noticed this or read about this, but a number of our senators, a number of our senators wore pins. And on that pin, it said, I, I heart abortion. Not abortion should be done in the most extreme of situations. Not abortion should take place when a mother's life is in danger. Nothing. I love abortion. I don't know what to do with that. Well, I do know what to do with that. And, and, and this is what this particular senator said. I'm wearing my abortion pin with, with great pride. I'm wearing my abortion pin at PPFA to tonight's State of the Union address. Abortion is essential health care, and we need to codify this right. Are you kidding me? You know what's holy? Life. Life happens at conception. I don't care what you say. I, I care what this word says. Life happens at conception. And the word of God says this. Before I formed you, even prior to when you were thought, before I formed you in, your, in, in, in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. God, the creator of heaven and earth, is saying that of us. Psalm 139.13 says this, For you formed my inward parts, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I don't know that it could be more clear. That life happens at that moment of conception. That even prior to that, God had a plan, purpose, and knew you. But God forbid you talk about life. God forbid you talk about the holiness of life. Here's one. Sam Smith, if you like the Grammys, which I don't, but I, I would turn in and see clippets just to, or snippets just to see what's going on. Sam Smith performing a satanic ritual at the Grammys. Now, it really is nothing new. We saw little Nas, or what, what is it, is it little Nas? What, I don't know, that Nas guy. A couple years ago, we seen, we've seen all these different, you know, people. They, 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 they worship at, at these things. You, you may not think so. You may not even believe me. But let me prove to you that it is a worship service. Now, the singer-songwriter took the stage amid musicals' biggest night, okay, with Kim Petraeus. Kim is actually a, a biological male. Uh, to perform their collective hit, Unholy. Big hit, Unholy. As the title suggests, the performance had demonic overtones and fire lining the stage and Smith donning a, a deviled horned hat. They're worshiping. You know who's watching those shows? Now, here's what's really interesting. This took place. I just found out about this. Now, CBS, okay, they pulled this tweet down. I don't know how long. Was it immediate or almost quick? Seth just told me this. This is the tweet that went out prior to I don't know if you can see it, but this is going to be special. Hashtag Grammys. This is coming from CBS's own Twitter. It says, you can say that again. We're ready to worship. And you're telling me we're not burning our children. Don't tell me that we're not destroying our children. Don't tell me. Sorry, Chris. Don't tell me that... <laughs> Our culture is not destroying our children. I can't help it. Sorry. I love you. I tried. Pastor, I'm sorry. I tried. 
They're, they're not even hiding it. We're ready to worship. They didn't have, uh, you know, any Jesus singers up there. They had a guy representing Satan. We're ready to worship. See, the reality is this is holiness. Isaiah 6, 3. And one called another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You want to know what's holy? You want to know who's holy? God Almighty is holy. Jesus is holy. The Holy Spirit, that's holiness. And the angels cried out in Isaiah 6, holy, holy, holy. In Revelation, I believe, 3, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb of God. And they worshiped the one who deserved their worship. They worshiped the creator of heaven and earth. They worshiped the one who gave me life. They worshiped the one who gave you purpose. And the, and the enemy is trying to steal the life, trying to steal the purpose, trying to take away your hope. And God says, no, I have a plan for you. That purpose, your life matters. It's not randomness. Unholy. Okay, here's Hollywood again, love it. Anybody heard the, the, the cartoon TV show on Hulu and FX? It's called Little Demons. Anybody heard of that? This is what they're playing to our children. Here's the premise. 13-year-old, a 13-year-old, or 13 years after being impregnated by Satan, a reluctant mother, ah, that's Satan, Laura, and her antichrist daughter, Chrissy, attempt to live in an ordinary life in Delaware. See, here's what they're doing. They're normalizing satanic worship. but are constantly thwarted by monstrous forces, including Satan, who yearns for custody of his daughter's soul. They're not trying to burn our children to the stake? Did you, I, I don't know why I forgot this slide. I had it, and I didn't put it in there. In New Mexico, the Satanic temple, is, go look it up, is opening up an abortion clinic so that... We can pay for your child's sacrifices. Stated. Stated. I'm not making this stuff up. Yeah, they're not killing our children. Culture isn't trying to destroy our children. Unholy. The Bible says this in Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Culture is stealing the innocence of our children. I'm not even dealing with adults. You know why? Because you're an adult. And I don't want to make light of it and, and say, you know, but, but, but they're, they're going after your children, our children, our grandbabies, our babies. We, church, need to walk in the holiness of renewing our mind with the Scripture that we might discern between good and evil. I was with a good friend this weekend, and we're, we're working out, and, and uh, uh, he has some great, great kids. And uh, we're talking about what it means to be a father. And the heart, what, what God made fathers and mothers to be stewards over the hearts of their children. A, a, a 5, 7, 10, 16, 20-year-old even these days does not know how to steward their hearts. Dear Jesus, I know plenty of 50-year-olds who don't know how to steward their hearts, and I, I know at times I haven't stewarded my heart well, but my job as a, as a father is to steward the hearts of my children teach them the ways of the Lord. Unholy. Gender identity in 2023. It says there's 68 different genders, but if you look at it, there's, there's, there's more. There's hundreds that they talk about. Male, female, transgender, gender neutral, non-binary, agender, pangender, gender queer, two-spirit, three-gender. I, I, I can't, you can't keep up. See, there's a lie that's been told to us for the last, I don't know how many years. And the lie is this. You can do whatever you want. You can be whoever you want. Such crap. I'll prove it. 
How many of you think I could be a brain surgeon? I do not have the capacity to, to touch what the doctor did with you, Mark, and, and pulling that out and the healing. I don't have the, you know, more than you. I don't have the capacity to do that. I can barely spell. I can't even spell. I do not. Here's, uh, it's so funny. When we were, we were together as a family one time, and I was ta- having this talking to my kids about that, and I used Hudson as an example, and Hudson was short and kind of chubby and, and just, a, you know, the happy kid. I said, Hudson cannot be a ballerina, like it or not. He's clumsy. He, 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 he's weighted on one side more than the other. It just There's not a lot of balance there. He can't be whatever he wants. And the, the culture will lie to you so you can be whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. You can be, no, it's not true. If God is God and this word is true, sorry. <laughs> if this word is true and God is who God says he is, says that he has purpose, and he created me with purpose, and his purpose for me is perfect. I'm going to get in trouble for this one, but who cares? Uh, My son TJ, sorry T, don't don't talk, I'm talking about This kid, we we held him back in second grade, and we pulled him out of regular school so he could surf and do some stuff. We're going, oh man, what's this kid going to do? Um, he is now finishing up being an, a, a Navy SEAL. He, okay, I'm sorry. No clapping. Sorry. I have to use an example. Here's, the perp- Here's why I use this example. No clapping. Because he, couldn't, he could barely do six plus six. And I, I say that in a loving way. And, 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 and two weeks ago, he's in the ocean... And it's it, it, at 10 o'clock at night, hitting four or five extraction points with a dive board where you can't see in front of you, doing calculations and geometry, doing current calculations, doing paddle counts to get to certain points to extract what they're asking to extract, yet he could not get through seventh grade math. You know why purpose matters? Because he's doing exactly what God created him to do. And when you do exactly what God creates you to do, his purpose and his grace sits right in the middle of it, and you can change the world. You can't do whatever you want. You can try, but I'll tell you this, you won't be happy. You won't be satisfied. You'll be frustrated, and you'll hit your head, and you'll hit your head, and you'll hit your head, and failure after failure after time after time, and, and it'll, you'll just miss it. But when you walk in the fullness and the purpose of what God created you to do, you change the world. And there'll be peace. Doesn't mean it won't be hard. Doesn't mean it won't be difficult. But you'll walk in it because God's grace will follow you. Here's the reality of gender. Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In his image, he created him male and female. He created them. There's male and female. The, the compassionate side of it is this. I am fully aware that, statistically speaking, less than 6% have gender dysphoria in this world. That's, that's coming from scientists. 6% strong. Fully aware of that. Dear Jesus, come next week because I'm going to talk about how you walk in the compassion with people. We as a church need to embrace. We need to love, not condemn. What, are, what did we say? What did Jesus do? We need to walk with. We need to be hand in hand with people as they wrestle. In the same way that someone needs to walk with you and your lust men. In the same way that someone needs to walk with men and women in their, their, their cheating and their, their foolishness. Why is that sin? not dealt with in the church. But, oh, God forbid, let's deal with the sin we don't like. Unholy. The, the Church of England, I don't know if you read this, um, will look at the use of gender. They want to pull um, Father and, and, and God is uh, about the gender-neutral terms to refer to God in prayers. They want to pull the Church of England. We're not far behind. 
John 14, 6 says this. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He very clearly declares God as Father. Now, I don't know why God chose to show himself as a Father, but he did. That's not true. I do know why he chose to show himself as a Father. So that fathers in this nation would look to God the Father, this word, and they would work and walk with their children as God the Father walks with us. The parallels are there. God chose to show himself as a father. And the world wants to take that out. You know why? Because they want to destroy the family. I, I, look, this is a handful of... I, I, could, I could have done examples over and over and over again. See, but the reality is today there's a fight for our children. Church, we've got to wake up. You guys know me well enough to know. I'm not talking about getting your poster boards out in Huntington Beach and going, you're going to hell. I only do that in leap year. <laughs> I'm kidding. Totally kidding. You don't ever do that. You don't, that's not compassionate. It's not compassionate to have signs in front of abortion clinic and, 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 and not be willing to take that young woman into your home and love her and help her with that child. That's compassionate. That's love. Not some dumbass sign. Excuse me. I'm going to have to deal with that one later. Sorry. I just, God, he wants us to love. But that's not exclusive of holiness. They run parallel. God's love and God's holiness run parallel to one another. And that's what changed me. That's what changes you. That's what's going to change the world. Yeah. God gives us a warning. He says this in Matthew 18. He says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believes me to sin... It would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. You want to talk about a warning. You touch the innocence of God's children. He says this in, in, in Isaiah 50 or 5, excuse me. Woe to those who call good evil and or evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Everything I just showed you. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their, their own sight. The Bible's pretty clear about these things. Here's what scares me as a pastor. I'll fly through this. The church in Laodicea. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were neither either cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. The church here, uh, they, they just it was just status quo. I'm going to say what you guys hate that I say. They came to church twice a month and they felt good about it. It was status quo. It was neither emotionally excited about, they were neither emotionally excited about being Christians, and, 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 and it just, it, they just, eh, I got my ticket to heaven. Those who were lukewarm had just enough knowledge of Christ that they were, they were not resistant, but lacked enough real faith to be fully engaged. That, that's what that church looked like. And that's, a lukewarm church stood, by, stood idly by when the country was built on the backs of slavery. Don't talk about that. A lukewarm church stood idly by in Nazi Germany while six million Jews were murdered. You go back, look historically, and I was reading on this. There was a Christian nation. She was neither hot nor cold. She had no conviction. Today, a lukewarm church is standing idly by while culture is capturing our kids. She's neither hot or cold. Eh. It's just the Grammys, those silly Grammys. They want to destroy 
anything that resembles the Father. And the innocence of a child is, is, is really close, and that's why we see Jesus would always bring the kids unto them, unto him. And the enemy knows that, that, that in, and as we said, he's, he's prowling like a lion, seeking whom he can devour. And in many ways, the church sits idly by. You see, the church is called to be holy, to be set apart. We are called to stand with truth and righteousness and justice with others. And, 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 and when we have this encounter with Jesus, it's compassionate. Now, they're still going to tell, tell, tell us that we're, we're haters and we're bigots and there's no way around that. But you know. Let's go back to what Bonhoeffer said because he said it this way. Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. I just gave us four examples of blatant evil in our world. God will not hold me guiltless. For me not to speak is to speak. For me not to act is to act. I don't know how the church walks away and, and sits on her hands. I don't even know fully what that means other than I've got to love others really well. It's not some new program. Love the gay program. Love the trans program. Love the devil worshiper program. I, I don't, I, it's not some new program. It, it's, 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 it's this word that changes me. That breaks my heart for others. that takes that self-righteous just dirt out of me and allows me to love others well. But how can we be silent in the face of this evil? The question, have we made a deal with the devil? Nah, I don't make deals with the devil. This is the deal that we make regularly. Just, you know what? You leave me alone, I'll leave this stuff alone. I won't take those stands. I won't say anything. If I don't have to deal with being called a bigot, being called a whatever, a Christian, being called, I'll just kind of leave those subjects alone. That's a deal with the devil. Because when I read the scripture, I see that the one that came and gave his life to me was crucified. And then I see this scripture in Mark 8 that says, huh, go to your cross daily. He's talking to the church. Pick up your cross. What does that mean? Now pick up your sign, pick up your cross. Stand for which is true and righteous and good. Love others well. Be compassionate. Embrace. Be a Christian. That's what he's talking about. Our culture worships our feelings above all else, including our children. How do I feel? It matters how I feel. It matters how I feel. How do I feel? How do I feel? How do I feel? My feelings are deceptive. I make choices by this word, and God is faithful to bring my feelings behind it. We worship our feelings, and Exodus 23 says, you shall have no other gods before me, including your feelings. Submit your feelings to the cross. Submit your question. Maybe you're struggling with, with the, one of these things. Maybe you're in the middle of one of these things. Maybe your family member, I, I don't know. But, but, but what he's saying is, is, is take it to the cross. Put it at the feet of Jesus. See, because if he is God, if I happen to believe he is, he's big enough to move in my life and others. He, he's big enough to bring hope and grace and mercy. 
he, he's big enough to, to allow me to stand in the midst of persecution. Look, there's no way around it. But I can't not stand. And I don't even know what that totally means. Just being honest with you. But I can't not stand. I've been wrestling with this for uh, three months. How do you preach this? Again, talking with Melvin about it and going, how do we preach it? How do we? I can't not talk about it. I can't not stand. As a church, we have to repent and cry out to the Father. God, have mercy. Oh, God, have mercy on us. Give us strength to stand for truth. But not only the strength to stand for truth, but the compassion to love others well. It's easy to love this woman. She's, she's amazing. Most of the time, it's easy to love this woman. No, I'm kidding. It's always easy to love her. It's not so easy to love those I disagree with. God, give me the compassion to walk in holiness and love others well. That's the church. You want to change this country? Yeah, that seems a little big. You want to change this state? Still a little too big. You want to change Orange County? Getting closer. You want to change Costa Mesa? Even closer. Do you want to make a difference for your neighbors that live around you? For some of us, that's still too big. You want to impact your family? And pray a bold prayer. God, let me be compassionate and holy as you are. Of first importance. Of first importance, the gospel. Of first importance, what matters. Joel, as you come up here. Of first importance, the gospel, which is this. Jesus went to the cross for me. He spread his arms and took nails into his hands and feet and bled for my sin of first importance that God so loved me that he sent his son that I might have life. The gospel on the third day he rose again from dead that I might have life of first importance. So how can I not be compassionate? I'm not always compassionate. In fact, not enough. God, have mercy. Let me be a compassionate man that walks in holiness and loves others well. Oh, God, forgive me. Have mercy. I want to stay in this moment and receive our communion because the beauty of communion is, is will you throw me one of those, Chris? The beauty of communion is, is, is this time together that, that we, we, we come together and, and, and we take all of this and we, we just set it at the cross and we remember what Jesus did. The Bible says that on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and it, and it says he took it and he ate it and he says, eat this in remembrance of me. And they ate. And then it says he took the wine that represented the blood. He said, when you receive this, remember me, because it, it, it represents the washing. It represents freedom in Christ Jesus. It represents wholeness. It represents compassion. And he said, drink this in remembrance of me. Father, you're welcome in this place. God, forgive us. God, thank you. I thank you that I have forgiveness and everlasting life because of what you did on the cross. God, let me be compassionate to others. Oh, God, let me love others well. 
Forgive me for my self-righteousness and judgment. Let us walk in holiness and compassion that you, Christ Jesus, might be glorified. In your precious name we pray. If there's anyone in here today who doesn't know Jesus, the Bible says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. And I, I want to give room for that today. That if you want a relationship with Jesus, that today is the day of salvation. And it's this, it is, it's, it's this beauty of simplicity and complexity. The simplicity of receiving, the complexity of Jesus giving his life. And if you want that today, I want to pray with you. And just pray this simple prayer. Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me for all my sin. I want you, Jesus, to be Lord of my life. I want to let go and let you be Lord. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. God, I believe what you did on the cross was for me. And I thank you for everlasting life. In Jesus' precious name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I, I am asking you to please come and find me. So I would love to to pray with you personally and celebrate with you and, and just and, and talk about what that means. For those of you who already know Jesus, I, I'm asking you to wrestle with this message. I'm asking you to, to think about what it means to be holy and to be compassionate. I'm not only asking you to think about it, I'm asking you to walk in it do to be because that's what God has called us to that's what excites me about this church our men and women who leave this building and impact others impact others why don't you stand with us as we go out with this last song that Joel has for us